a peaceful, quiet Saturday morning ended abruptly when his 12-year-old son, Michael, and one of his friends burst through the door. Hey, Dad, have you met our new neighbors? No. Come on, Dad, we have to meet them. Or maybe some other time. I'm busy. Dad, we have to meet him now. From the urgency in Michael's voice, he figured the neighbors were waiting outside. He put his project to the side and he went to the front door. But nobody was there. Where are they? He asked. Well, Dad, Michael explained, we haven't met him yet either. But our baseball is inside their living room. (laughs) Good morning. Welcome to Blue Lake on this wonderful Sunday morning. Now the message today is love your neighbor. The type of love that describes the care for others. Compassion. But also forgiveness. In 1967, the Beatles released a song called All You Need Is Love. It became a hit, the number one in countries around the world. And the message was simple. All you need is love. Love is all you need. And watching the news this week, it tells a whole different story. The complete opposite of love. It is downright troubling to witness the hate that is penetrating the fabric of our great nation. Polarization is reaching new heights, and we see hard divisions on political views, on social issues, on race, on immigration, and the list goes on and on. But there is a way out. And we will soon find out what that is. Now let's think back for a moment to our childhood. And we can probably still remember our favorite teacher. That teacher with these great anecdotes. And we hung on every word rolling of their tongue. Best teachers have in common an amazing ability to tell stories. And to make the message stick. A website called reacheverychild.com lists storytelling as an important trait of great teachers. Now Jesus was a master at storytelling. He painted vivid pictures with stories to dramatize his teachings. Jesus told them in such a way that they were easy to visualize and therefore easy to remember. The stories he told were simple, but yet had a very deep meaning. In the Bible, they're called parables. In a parable, the word parable comes from the Greek word paraboli. Para meaning 
come alongside. And bellow literally means to throw or to see. There are 39 parables in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 28 of them in the Gospel of Luke alone. And this brings us to today's reading of Luke 10, 25 to 37, which can be found on, your, on page 71 in your pew Bible. So if you would like to read along, please do so. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your might and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on him. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay I will repay you whatever more you spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The parable of the Good Samaritan is well known. American Magazine ranks it number three on a list of the top 12 parables. What is the core message? Jesus uses this parable to vividly illustrate to love your neighbor as yourself. And isn't this interesting? The priest and the Levite passed on to the other side of the road. Both were religious types, intellectuals, members of the upper class, and they left that poor fellow untouched. But then the Samaritan was moved with pity. And it was the Samaritan who rescued the man laying along the road, half dead. Well, today, when we hear the term Samaritan, it instantly invokes images 
of good-hearted, caring people. Likely because of this very story, having been told for nearly 2,000 years. But imagine the folks listening to Jesus around 30 AD. At the time, they thought of Samaritans with disgust. And to Jewish people, Samaritans were considered second-class citizens. Well, you may ask why. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel. Foreigners had intermarried with this Israelite population in and around Samaria. These Samaritans worshipped idols of their previous heritage. Samaria was a place of refuge for all the outlaws of Judea. The violators of the Jewish law found safety themselves in Samaria. The division between Jews and Samaritans was stark, like it was wrong to have any contact with the opposite group. Samaritans were generally considered half-breeds and were universally despised by the Jews. So Jesus could not have used a better example to drive the point to love neighbor as self. If a Samaritan could help out a Jew in need, then there truly were no limitations to the meaning of this command. And although the Bible doesn't mention it verbatim, the command is com commonly referred to as the golden rule. The golden rule is universally applied throughout our society. For instance, of the ten guiding principles of our company, two of them find their origin in the golden rule. Treat neighbors like you want to be treated. And treat team members with respect. Renditions of this core principle are found throughout history. Confucius said, Never impose on others what you, not, what you would not choose for yourself. Socrates wrote, Do not do to others that which angers you when they do it to you. Buddha said, Hurt not others with that which pains yourself. All these writings date back between 400 and 500 BC. But the root of the golden rule goes all the way back to the days of Moses, coming down from Oreb, receiving the Ten Commandments. And Moses wrote in Leviticus 19.18, Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what's fascinating that all these earlier writings instruct to not do something. And it is an interesting twist that the golden rule, Jesus emphasizes a positive command. To be proactive. To do. To love neighbor. But who is our neighbor? The folks living here in Blue Lake all around us, they certainly are neighbors. But so are the folks living around the world in great need. On January 12, 2012, 
a 7.0 earthquake hit Haiti. And an estimated 3 million people were affected by this quake. Death estimates range between 160,000 and 220,000 people. Countries from around the world came forward to help those in need. And according to numbers provided by the United Nations, aid totaled $13.3 billion, led by the U.S. with $4 billion, of which a quarter or a billion dollars came from private charity and individuals. Now, Chuck Swindoll, in his book, Caring in a Careless World, asks, what is our mission as the people of God? And he wrote, I believe it is to show people Christ through our love and compassion, to display care in a careless world. Now, Christianity doesn't get any more basic than that. It is caring for, reaching out to, and spending time with those who Jesus called the least of these. A good example is Samaritan Spurs, a Christian organization founded in 1970 by Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, providing spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world. And Samaritan Spurs has helped people who are victims of war, poverty, <coughs> natural disasters, and disease. Then in yesterday's paper, had a great story on Betty Chin, leading a group of 20 teens from the south of Santa Rosa, helping serve the poor. Betty has tirelessly been serving the homeless in our community for the last 20 years. Then last month I was talking to a friend who has taken his church group to Mexico for six out of the seven last, last seven years during spring break as they build houses for Mexican families in need. Nobody asks him to do this. He does it from the bottom of his heart, providing the love of Christ. Now the question is, can we also love our neighbor when they inflict pain on others and on their families? Are we able to forgive them? Last year, on June 17, Charleston, South Carolina was hit by an incredible act of brutality when nine members of the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church were massacred while attending Bible study. The news was shocking. But what grabbed the hearts of the nation was the next day. In a court hearing, family members of the slain stood up and publicly forgave the shooter, Dylan Roof, of his cold-blooded actions. One by one, those who chose to speak did not turn to anger. Instead, they offered the killer forgiveness, and they said they were praying for his soul. What an amazing 
manifestation of courage and strength and love to be able to forgive after what had happened. A few weeks ago, we visited Holland and stayed in a hotel in the city of Haarlem. A central location between the bulb fields in the north and the flower operations in the south and Schiphol Airport close by whenever you leave early the next morning. Less than a mile and a half from the hotel is the Corrie ten Boom Museum on the Bartel-Jorestraat in Haarlem. This museum was established in memory of the ten Boom family who during the Second World War provided shelter to numerous Jews and members of the Dutch resistance. Then in 1944, the Gestapo raided their house and the entire family was imprisoned. Corey and her sister Betsy eventually were transported by railcar to the Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany. Betsy died in the concentration camp, but by the grace of God, Corey survived. And in the years following the war, she spread the message of forgiveness and the love and grace of Jesus Christ in speeches in over 60 countries. She wrote the book, The Hiding Place. It became a movie in 1973. And a few years after the war, on one of her speaking tours in Munich, Germany, she encountered a former guard from the Ravensbrück concentration camp. He walked up to her after the speech. The minute she saw him, images of the horrors of that concentration camp, including the death, death of her sister, started coming back. And there he was, standing in front of her. And he said, nice message, Fraulein. And in her presentation, she had spoken of forgiveness. And here she was, standing face to face, for the first time since her release, with one of her captors. And suddenly, her blood seemed to freeze. And then he said, you mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. I was a guard in there. But since that time, I've become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for my cruel things, for the cruel things that I did there. But Fräulein, as he reached out his hand, he asked, will you forgive me? And Corey just stood there, wrestling with her emotions and contemplating the most difficult thing she had ever done. She wrote in her memoirs, I just stood there with the coldness seizing my heart. I silently prayed, Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. I can certainly do that. But please help me with the rest. And so awkwardly, involuntarily, 
I shook the hand that he had reached out. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raised down my arm, sprang into my joint hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole, be- my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we just stood there, the former God and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love as intensely as I did at that moment. In the Lord's Prayer, we ask for our sins to be forgiven. But we also make a promise that we will forgive those who sinned against us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14, If you forgive others for their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, It is Jesus Christ that came down to be among the people and to provide the message of love. In his parable, Jesus commanded to love our neighbor. And the illustrations I use today show that loving one another takes effort and commitment. Helping victims in earthquake-ravaged countries Providing spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world. Feeding the homeless in our community, in our own community. Building homes for families in Mexico. And and forgiving those inflicting pain and sorrow. The lawyer had asked, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And the answer was clear. Love your neighbor. The road to eternal life is found if we follow the lead of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is to love others. Don't wait. Start today. Deliberately and genuinely love your neighbor just as that Samaritan. After Jesus finished the parable... He told the lawyer, go out and do likewise. In a moment, we will sing, fairest Lord Jesus, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Ladies and gentlemen, as we leave here today, carry the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts like a crown of joy and glory. Jesus said, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that.
When we walk out of these doors of this Blue Lake Church this morning, go out and make a difference. Let His light shine in this dark and broken world. Be a vessel to the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let His love overflow like a fresh spring, quenching thirsty souls. The pathway to eternal life is paved with the good deeds of those who went before us. Amen.